The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Big thank you to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, at New Day Music on Twitter. We appreciate the song Lion Kings. James, we are we are on to the AL Central, your latest Farm Futures piece. 108 prospects you need to know in the AL Central. We will get to a lot of those names, not all 108, but a good good chunk of them. But before we do that, two of the top pitching prospects in baseball, uh, some bad news for both of them. Start with Forrest Whitley, suspended 50 games for a drug of abuse. Of course, Brent Honeywell today as well. It's really troubling. We we know for sure that it's a forearm strain, and anytime strain is mentioned, that means there is a tear somewhere in there. So not looking good for Brent Honeywell. What is your takeaway from these two new news items? Well, the Forrest Whitley one sounds like it was a like an Adderall type of drug. Uh, Trying to stay awake on the road. Sure, yeah. I mean, it, it. So he says. 
really any anything as long as it's not like steroids or hard drugs then i really don't care at all like i mean adderall marijuana whatever any kind of thing that you would get at gnc or something like that like it's i don't i don't doesn't impact his his stock at all for me uh you know i think he he's gonna get to his innings limit probably in october now instead of maybe august or september and that's kind of the takeaway i still think him coming up and making an impact in the big league rotation of the possibility this season uh he could come up and work out of the bullpen i think we see him in the big leagues one way or another regardless of this so i'm just it doesn't i guess you could maybe ding him a little bit for 2018 but he wasn't a guy that anyone was pumping up for 2018 anyways so i I don't really think that's a big deal uh for long-term purposes it doesn't matter at all i was trying to get some shares in draft champions whitley though i will say that and i would lunao said they considered calling him up last year yeah and i i still think people should i i already have a, a share of him um i think i got him in our arizona uh slow draft so yeah i mean i i, I still think he's someone that should be absolutely taken maybe in the what do you think like 35th to like 45th yeah. round something like that yeah i think i got him in like the 38th yeah 40th round so yeah if in those 50 round uh leagues i think whitley is still definitely a guy to to roster we'll say in the nfbc it's weird they just one r and forest i had a mini panic attack uh thinking i drafted the wrong forest whitley but just a just a spelling error just we'll say that as for honeywell definitely doesn't look good uh forearm strain i would say the smart money is on him getting tommy john surgery here in the next month or so and we probably don't see him until may or june of next year which sucks but that's i mean it was bound to happen to one of these top pitching prospects it usually does each year and yeah definitely don't draft him in your in your redraft leagues at this point if you already ended up with him I guess just hold on to him until it's confirmed what he actually has and whether he's going to need surgery, but you're probably going to end up having a cut bait there. I ended up moving him just outside my top 50 prospects after this news. It's never, it's never as big of a blow when it's someone like Honeywell, who's basically big league ready or when it happened to Alex Reyes last year, it's just, it, you have to push back the, the, eta by about a year but when it's one of those guys it's not a super big deal i only moved him from like the 20s to the 50s last year with alex reyes i moved him from like top 10 to top 20 something like that uh when it's a guy like anderson espinosa and he was already a couple years away and it pushes it back even that much further then i think it's a it's a bigger blow it takes you from like i think i moved espinosa maybe from the 60s or 70s to the 160s so it's it's not as big of a deal since he's this close to the big leagues for dynasty league purposes but yeah you're, you're probably not going to get anything out of him this year yeah tough break and that's the last thing Rays fans needed uh, although maybe the, maybe the dumping dickerson and signing gomez is such a bad move save a little bit of money and uh i guess they dump souza too but i don't know i think they the, the moves look bad, but I don't necessarily know that they really have done a whole lot to to hurt themselves, to be quite honest. But uh, I wonder, with Honeywell, if he'll have to scrap some of those pitches when he comes back. Do you think that's a possibility? 
Um, not necessarily. I think that he, you know, he was a guy that always had really good command. So I don't think there's going to be that big of a adjustment period when he comes back. I think it's, it's more of an issue when it's, when it's a guy that's kind of got fringe command to me, than then you're talking about a guy that could come back and, and have below average command for a little bit. Uh, but with with him, I I think as long as and you know they'll be cautious with him too. Like they're they're definitely not going to rush him back. So uh, Tommy John doesn't have a hundred percent success rate for guys in this age range. I think it's kind of in the the eighty five to ninety percent range in terms of success. So there's some added risk there. But I'm I'm not super worried about him long term. Well, we wish Brent Honeywell the best. I don't know. If we, again, we don't have. Full picture yet, but we do know it's serious forearm strain. So, uh, best of luck to him and his recovery. But let's get into your latest article that went up on the site yesterday. 108 prospects you need to know in the AL Central. And we'll start with the White Sox. No surprise here. Eloy Jimenez, top prospect in the system, fourth overall. I was listening to, I guess it was Craig Mish and Jim Bowden talking about Jimenez and how good of a hitter he is, but. With with a team like this, man, I get a real sense that we might not see much of him this season, if at all. Yeah, I think this is like almost ever since I've been doing this, this is one of the more fascinating preseason ETAs to try to peg because it's sort of the perfect storm of all these factors that are so hard to it's so hard to judge how the the team is going to handle them because. On the one hand, this is a guy that I think is going to be ready for big league pitching in June. I think you might even see him this spring training be one of the be one of the White Sox three or four best hitters in big league camp. So I don't think it's going to, you know, if they keep him down, it's going to be for for service time reasons. I don't think there's going to be a scenario where he's just struggling at double A AA or triple A. Uh, the bigger question is what do the White Sox really have to gain by bringing him up in June or July of a completely uncompetitive season when you could keep him down, bring him up, you know, give him the Ronald Acuna treatment, the Chris Bryant treatment next year so that you maximize the years you have him under control during your competitive window. Cause their competitive window probably opens in like three years. So, and, and they're going to hope that it stretches, you know, for another six, seven years after that. Uh, you don't really want to burn one of those from a business standpoint just because he's ready. Hmm. Now it's not it's not the same thing as Ronald Acuna because the the Braves are going to be competing for or at least they hope to be competing for a wild card spot this year, and he's a guy that's proven it already at AAA. Like they're not they're, at a certain point you can't just keep holding a guy down to line it up with your competitive window i, I mean the best thing for ronald cunha's development is clearly to, to hit against big league pitching with jimenez you know it's it's just in that gray area where yeah his, he's gonna be big league ready this summer but they might just have the discipline to hold him down and it might be the best thing for their team building in general because they're gonna have outfielders and just kind of bats that they want to try out guys like ryan cordell guys like nicky delmonico charlie tilson uh just players that they just want to give an audition to and just sort of see what they have see if they have you know any kind of long-term value to offer 
and they know that Jimenez is part of their core long term. And it's not. I think the the pros of keeping him down might outweigh the cons. I just wonder what happens if if he's forcing the issue in like late May, early June. Then it becomes a like a four month thing where you where you're holding this guy down, and everyone knows you're just doing it for service time reasons. It's not the best PR look. I mean, the fans are going to be pretty anxious and pretty unhappy if you hold him down over those those four months if he is ready. So. I guess I could I could see I could see him coming up in July. I could see them holding him down until next April. It's just so hard to call. Uh, I think that he needs to be taken in those fifty round uh, NFBC leagues, just because I think he is a player that could swing leagues if he comes up this year. He's that good. I think he is going to be just a, a monster middle of the order, you know, forty homer, two eighty, two ninety hitter. So a guy like that, if you get three months out of him for fantasy, that that's going to be a, a huge addition. I don't, I don't see him struggling a, a, a great deal against big league pitching early on. So it's just it's such a complicated situation. It, people have been sort of asking me when I think he's going to come up. I, I've sort of been saying it's like 60-40 or 50-50 that he even comes up at all this year, but that the upside if he does come up is pretty massive. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, teams can go with just the old standby of, I've been hearing a lot lately with, uh, well, I heard it in a clip with Anthopolis discussing Acuna, but it applies to Jimenez as well, just saying, look, we don't want to have to bring this guy up and send him back down. So we got to make sure he gets plenty of at bats <laughs> in the minors. Yeah, the fan base will be anxious, but I think, and they really haven't built up a ton of goodwill, but I think this fan base will be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel because of how well they did in that first year of the rebuild. Uh, quick note, fantasy baseball fans, spring training is underway and the regular season will be here before you know it. And with baseball season comes FanDuel, offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy baseball no matter what you're looking for. The excitement of fantasy baseball without the full season grind, something for everyone, tons of different contests and formats to choose from, starting at just 25 cents. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. I haven't had a ton of luck on FanDuel, but I'm hoping to uh, have a little bit more luck this year. The games are exciting. A lot of new product variations, smaller rosters, AL and all only. Something truly for everybody. Play against your friends for bragging rights or play against the public for millions in cash prizes. Take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription which will help give you all of the tools you need to be successful with your first deposit on Fandle. Just go to Fandle.com slash RW, void where prohibited. Michael Kopak, number two, not much of a surprise here. Anything you want to add with, with him? This guy we've talked about countless times over the past few years. No, but this is a guy that will be up this year. I think he's going to be up in the first half. Hopefully he can stay healthy. As long as he's healthy, I think he's going to be in that rotation by May or June. All right, Luis Robert, somebody that you're a little bit lower on than the pack, at least from the ones I've seen. You mentioned that the tools are exciting, but you do offer a really good point, just that the the success rate for these tools, the Cuban guys coming over and excelling at the highest level isn't great. What are your biggest concerns with him, aside from that track record? I just I think there are a lot of conflicting reports regarding his hit tool, and... I'm just hesitant to rank a guy 
uh, you know, a 20 year old guy that we haven't seen. I mean, he was in the Dominican summer league last year, but you can just completely throw that out. I mean, he's so much more advanced than any of those players, uh, until he kind of demonstrates the traits that, that we're looking for in a guy with a, you know, 50 grade hit tool, 55 grade hit tool against age appropriate pitching. I'm just a little hesitant. I think that, you know, pe- we've gotten burned on guys like this in the past. Rusne Castillo comes to mind. I mean, the Ooh, tools. I still got a scar from that burn. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not good. If you read about uh, the two guys that really come to mind when, when you read the rope, the Luis Roberts scouting report, it's, it's Yon Moncada and Rusne Castillo. And even Moncada, who, you know, this time last year was the top prospect in the game for fantasy purposes. You know, his, his transition into the big leagues hasn't gone super smoothly. I still like him a, a ton long term, but I just, I think, you know, Robert might be three years away from the big leagues. Like we, we don't know how close he is. We don't know what kind of average there's going to be. Uh, we do know that he's got huge raw power and he's a, a plus runner. So that's, that's a great place to start, but I'm just hesitant to put him ahead of guys who have a ton, like, like say Lu- Luis Robert versus a guy like uh, Taylor Trammell, like both are just tooled up as hell, but we know that Trammell's got a good approach. We know that he has more than held his own at the plate against age appropriate pitching. And he's still got a, a heck of a ceiling. So I'm not going to put Robert ahead of a guy like that, uh, just based on him sort of just being this flashy toolsy, uh, young prospect when he just really hasn't, hasn't proven it yet. I, I think there are enough negative reports out there about the, the hit tool that I'm, I'm just going to kind of hold off putting him in my top 25 for now. I've got him at 37. I think that that's, that's fine. Alec Hansen, number four in the system, just outside your top 100 overall, likely headed to double a Birmingham to begin the season. Uh, Maybe a low end number two if everything clicks, but what needs to click for him to hit, hit that ceiling? Uh, he has to prove that his command and control are solid enough to, to make that happen. You know, last year was impressive, but he was m- mostly dominating against much younger hitters, and the stuff is dominant at, at times. I mean, he, he has... He's definitely got at least mid-rotation starter stuff, but the command control has kind of come and gone over the past three years for him. So uh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to hold out judgment on him until probably until he gets to the big leagues, honestly. I think that there's definitely number three, number two starter potential if everything goes perfectly, but he could also end up in the bullpen. Jake Berger, a guy that, you know, as the name would suggest, not a body guy, but... Uh, still quite a bit to not, like. Not a body guy. Do you think for a guy who's going to be 21, likely at high A, that he could be a, a guy who puts up pretty big numbers and maybe jumps up a lot of lists this year? Well, I'm kind of – I feel like I'm the low man on him too. Uh, I just – I don't know. I don't think that the batting average and the power are going to kind of converge to, to make a, a super appealing fantasy option he i think he you know it might end up kind of being like the the mike moustakis experience where there's some lean years and then there's a, a few big years where he, he really helps you out 
just not not an elite prospect for me. Um, he's going to probably start the year at high A. I'm sure he puts up fine numbers there. The the real test will be a double A and triple A. Want to skip down this list a little ways? We can go back if you're if there's anybody we jump over that you want to touch on. But Charlie Tilson, you mentioned in passing, and he was a guy that people. We're eyeing up maybe as a sleeper heading into redrafts last year, but hurt his foot. Really was kind of a lost year for him. Now 25, probably going to be playing quite a bit at the big league level. Do you think he could kind of be a, a poor man's Delino to Shields this year? Yeah, that's sort of the statistical comp I could envision for him just because of the the stolen bases. Uh, that's kind of the selling point with him. I think that he's worth you know an, an end game pick and your 15 team mixers uh definitely worth drafting in ale only leagues and and deep deep mixers but you know he's one of those guys if he has a rough april you can just cut him and if he has a decent april he might lead off for them all season and score 90 runs and steal 25 bases and you know it's probably going to be like eight to ten homer pop at best uh i could see a batting average anywhere from 250 to 285 but you're, you're definitely taking them for the runs and steals. And on this on this team, I mean, if you look at that lineup, it's there aren't going to be a ton of viable challengers for that leadoff spot, so he could hold it all year. A couple spots below Tilson on your org ranks here. Another outfielder, Blake Rutherford, and he was a massive faller throughout the year uh, coming over from the Yankees organization. We know that the power hasn't really been there, but what else led to this massive fall down your rankings? It's really just the power uh, and the, you know, with guys like Rutherford, guys like Mickey Moniak, part of the reason why I'm out on them, I mean, I'm not out. They're both on my top 400, but where I have them ranked, I'm out on them. Like, I'm not going to get them anywhere at those rankings. And the reason for that, it's not that I think there's a 0% chance that they turn things around and become even everyday big leaguers. It's just that I don't think they're upside as everyday big leaguers warrants being super patient. You know, I think like if Blake Rutherford turns it around, I think his ceiling is just lower than I thought it was a year ago. I think like his ceiling now is just kind of like a, a Steven Piscotty type of outfielder. And, uh, you know, with Mickey Moniak, I think his ceiling is, is kind of like, uh, you know, maybe an Ender Inciarte, that type of thing. And, and the odds of those guys hitting those ceilings now are just so much lower uh, I don't, I don't think you have to be super patient with a guy like Blake Rutherford. I'm, I'm not ruling out him turning it around. It just, I don't think it's gonna, it's not going to be one where you're kicking yourself if he does turn it around and you cut bait. Yeah. One thing, and we've talked about this before, but one thing I like about your approach with prospects so much is you're willing to kind of reverse course and uh, take a bold stance on a guy who may have pedigree, may have a lot of hype still as a prospect, but like Moniak, like Rutherford, you've, You've downgraded them significantly, and other outlets a little bit slow to adjust. And actually, somebody came knocking in staff three about Rutherford this year, and I wasn't able to dump him, and I'm still pretty pissed about that. Like they came knocking last season? No, like recently. And you couldn't couldn't work something out? Couldn't work it out because they wanted a, another big leaguer, like a big leaguer with him for uh-huh. an upgrade. And you should have just been like, how about your sixth-round reserve pick? <laughs> how about your... 18th round was <laughs> Yeah, I should have. Maybe I'll revisit that. we still got time before the keeper deadline. Uh, Micker Adolfo, number 12. Ryan Cordell, 
cop name Cordell, as I like to call him. <laughs> um, he's a guy who's in the, uh, the Brewers system. You're pretty familiar with him. Not somebody you're super high on, but he means, you know, 337 overall. But opportunity could present itself this season if he does get the call, this 26-year-old. Uh, what, what could he bring to the table for owners in deeper leagues? He's got some power and he's got some speed. He's just a super fringe prospect, but the fact that he's in this org, like that's part of the, when I'm compiling these lists of like the, the players in each org, you need to know the quality of prospect will differ from org to org because there are guys, there are hitters in this white Sox organization and some pitchers who aren't good prospects, but they're going to get opportunity. And so that makes them relevant. There are pitchers in the Royals system who just aren't good prospects, but they're going to get opportunity this year. So I felt like including them just because there's a chance, you know, they could always impress and, and be useful in redraft leagues. Cordell, I don't see him hitting for an, a, a decent average at all. I mean, if you look at what he did last year as a 25 year old at Colorado Springs, he did great at home and was just terrible on the road. So I, I wouldn't expect uh, a high batting average with him against big league pitching if he gets a shot this year. But uh, yeah, the the power, I mean, it could be 20 plus homer power over a full season, 10 plus steals. That's useful, especially in AL only leagues. Absolutely. Well, we'll move on. We spent, geez, almost 20 minutes on the White Sox. A lot to get to, a lot to get to still on this show. And with the Indians, I mean, I'm not surprised that Tristan McKenzie is number one. I mean, that's kind of been the case for a while you being the low man on Francisco Mejia, but Mejia, has he recently fallen even further down your ranks? Because I'm seeing now that he's 63rd on your top 400 right now. No, he's kind of been in this range uh, all off season. Uh, basically, a little higher. Ever, ever since we got back from uh, Arizona Fall League, he's been outside the top 50. Uh, I actually had him... I. <laughs> I actually had him uh, two spots below Nolan Jones, who's third on this list, and I moved him ahead just because I didn't want to deal with the then he just <laughs> an onslaught of yeah. what you have what you have Nolan Jones ahead of like yeah I just didn't want to deal would with definitely that. be coming um, yeah I don't I mean he's like I, I said in the comments uh, someone asked you know why why are you so low on him if if I thought that there was a a really good shot that he would qualify catcher for the next, you know, three, four seasons and get 400 plate appearances a year over the next three, four seasons, then he'd be a lot higher on this list. I just, I don't think, I don't think either of those things is a lock. And I especially don't think the, the first one's a lock and kind of far from it. Actually, I just, the, the Indians, are one of many a growing number of organizations that really all they want out of their catcher spot is superb defense and kind of anything they get on top of that is is just a bonus. So if Mejia's defense is as bad as I have been led to believe it is uh, by scouts in, in other organizations, then... I just don't see them giving him work at catcher. I really don't. Uh, I mean, they have a couple pretty quality defensive catchers on the big league club right now. Um, and he, you know, he, he doesn't really have a clear avenue to, to playing at third base. I actually think 
his most natural position if you were to move him off catcher would be second base just based on his size i mean he's listed at 510 i don't know how close you got to him in the afl but i i would be surprised if he was any taller than 59 honestly and and that kind of goes to the defensive concerns i mean how many great five foot nine defensive catchers are there it's it's just a tough position to to be excellent at uh, defensively at that at that size I don't doubt his hitting ability but I just think that his hitting ability like if 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 the whole world knew that he was a third baseman and the upside was like a 290 hitter with 15 to 20 homer pop like he'd be a good prospect but he wouldn't be this prospect that everyone's climbing over themselves to get yeah so I just I think that there's enough risk there and and that's just a trend I've been seeing this off season. We've talked about it on the show before where people just aren't factoring in uh, defense enough. And we we're seeing it with the way uh, like the diamondbacks are basically just done with Yasmani Tomas and it has nothing to do with his bat. Uh, the brewers moved on or at least kind of paved the way to sort of move on from Domingo Santana. They, they still haven't dealt him, but you know, he, he might have been their best hitter last year, and they just his defense is so bad that they don't really want to deal with it. Uh, this is just a growing trend that I think people have to keep in mind um, when they're evaluating for fantasy purposes because teams just aren't willing to put up with, with black holes on the defensive side anymore. Yeah, I think you could put Hunter Renfro maybe in that group too. I mean, yeah, I, already I, looking to move on from it? I honestly yeah. think, yeah, those moves that, like they made um, – I, I wouldn't be surprised if Renfro was just the, the odd, the surprising yeah. odd man out of that. Maybe he just starts here at AAA because uh, if you have Will Myers in the outfield, you can't really have Hunter Renfro in the outfield as well. No. Like you need at you least need two. Franchi and Margot out there. That's what. That's the ground. dream. You just tell tell Will Myers Damn to go right. guard the line and left, <laughs> and and let let Margot and Franchi patrol Jeez, the rest. That'd be dope. I'd love <laughs> to see that. And conversely, on that point, though, like. Keeping an eye out for really good defenders can be a way to get it a leg up because you can get guys who will get an opportunity uh, ahead of certain other guys who may have better offensive numbers in the minors. But let's talk about Nolan Jones for a second. Seems like you're pretty high on this kid. I actually don't know a ton about him, but uh, raw power seems to be pretty good. But is he going to be able to hit for a high average as he progresses up the ladder? The only thing I'm very very confident about is him hitting for a high average like he i i got to see him when i was at uh, mahoning valley uh this past summer and i was there like he wasn't tops on my list of guys to see i mean i definitely knew who he was he's he got a like a two two and a half million dollar bonus the year before in the draft but he wasn't like a, a must-see type of guy on that trip and uh he was impressive you know he he can use he covers the entire plate he hits the ball to all fields he i think he led i want to say he led uh the new york penn league in in walks or or in a walk rate as the one of the like four or five youngest guys in the league uh i just i think that the hit tool could be really special with him he's six four big strong kid i think he eventually you know guys that can hit like that and guys that are built like that typically start getting to, to some pop so it's just i i think you could be talking about a, a 290 300 ish hitter who gets who hits 20 plus homers a year and i guess there are some 
some risks that he moves to right field or first base, but uh, I think for now, all indications are he'll be able to stick at third. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom, so we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Interesting. You know, I can't help but think as I look at this farm system as you laid out here and think about all the talent they already have at the big league level. I mean, man, they could make some splash trades still. I mean, oh, not, yeah. if not before the year, maybe at the deadline. Not a team I hear linked to Chris Archer, but they have a lot of pieces that I think, I mean, enough pieces to get that done, I think, if they really were motivated. Absolutely. And I think that they, I would not be surprised at all if they traded Francisco Mejia between now and the trade and the end of the trade deadline like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that should be definitely seen as a, another red flag if that happens. And it actually wouldn't be the worst thing if he got, if he went, if he got traded to a rebuilding club that was willing to kind of let him work through uh, his catching issues at the big league level, that'd be probably great for his fantasy purposes. But uh yeah, I think I think you're totally right on that. They have, and they have a lot of up the middle, um, you know, pitching prospect. They have guys that are going to be appealing to other clubs. Yeah, absolutely. Bobby Bradley, fourth in the system. He was a guy that I know you liked, kind of how he reshaped his body. Uh, I thought he looked good in the the fall league. Will Benson, though, I think is a really interesting guy. Not only does he kind of look like Aaron Judge, but kind of has that volatile profile. Could go a lot of ways. Uh, could be a big bust, could be a, a maybe a superstar player at the major league level, but what do you want to see from Benson this year to in order for him to maintain a spot in the top 100? You know, I think he just, if he can kind of make some minor improvements on the strikeout rate, like I don't need to see him get it under 30% this year, just kind of get it to 32%, something like that. Uh, continue to get to power in games, it's it's going to be one of those sort of slow burns and we're a lot higher on Benson than than anywhere else uh, to my knowledge so i think you and his his just if you really quickly look at his numbers on like baseball reference or fan graphs i don't think people are going to be holding on to this guy you know with with two hands i think if you came knocking to his owner in a dynasty league i don't think it would be all that tough to pry him loose this offseason and like you said the upside is absolutely through the roof. He's incredibly tooled up. He could be a 40 homer guy with 15 steals. I mean, that it's that kind of crazy upside and he's, he's going to walk a lot. I, I, I think he's a great buy low right now. Yeah. You had him, I think this high when we did the road to our dynasty invitational, it seemed like just nobody really wanted him. So I was felt fortunate to be able to grab him. It is a, a lottery ticket, but we'll see. Uh, Yu Cheng Chang, number six. Willie Castro, number seven in the system. Greg Allen, who you're not willing to give up on yet, nor am I. Um, still kind of excited about this kid. But Shane Bieber, number nine, I think is pretty interesting guy as well. You have him pegged for Triple for A this season to begin the year, which I think is interesting because he has limited experience, only 54 in the third innings at Double at A. Do you think he could maybe be fast-tracked and maybe serve as a spot starter this year? 
I don't, I doubt it. I, I'm not sure if he's going to open at double A or triple A. I think that they might actually send him back to double A if, if they have a kind of a crowded triple A rotation, but I, I think I'd, it'd be nice to see him challenge to begin the year against triple A hitting, uh, Julian Mer- Merriweather, who I've ranked 11th, would be my, if I'm taking a flyer on any of these Indians pitchers just for 2018, that'd be my bet just because he has been at AAA. I, I think there are some similarities here with, with him and Mike Clevenger and Zach Godley in terms of just a, a late developing guy. I mean, he's got legit mid-rotation stuff. The The numbers weren't that pretty at AAA, but I mean, the, the fielding independent numbers were pretty good. I think if he gets on a roll at AAA, we could see him join the rotation or make some spot starts. I think with Bieber, he's going to be a guy that probably joins the rotation early in 2019. Yeah, interesting. Man, they have a, kind of an embarrassment of riches in that rotation right now, although Salazar, big question mark, already dealing yeah, with that's shoulder scary. information. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else you want to touch on in this Indian system before we move on? To the no, red-hot Tigers. No, they, they got a... They just got a lot of tools in that system. I mean, I would definitely go check it out. Uh, some guys that you know are definitely worth targeting later in your dynasty league draft. So, so go check out the Indian system. Tigers led by Franklin Perez, who was the centerpiece of the Verlander return. Not, I mean, not sky high on him, sixty-eight overall. But do you think this guy could be a viable kind of mid fantasy rotation type of player in his prime? Yeah, I think he could be one of those guys that, you know, is maybe eight, eight and a half strikeouts per nine, ERA under three six, whip under one two. I mean, it, it's it's kind of a, a unique package where he's not going to just be missing a ton of bats. I don't think unless the stuff really comes along, but he he really knows how to pitch. He's got great command. Uh, not not super exciting he's a guy that i've seen fall in some drafts and some uh, mock prospect drafts and stuff like that but i, I think he could definitely be a sp3 or sp4 uh in the not too distant future i think he he debuts this year isaac paredes not somebody we we're gonna see this year still a long ways off and i'm looking forward to them bringing in that dude brandon phillips <laughs> Yeah, we'll have a real sad sack year <laughs> in Detroit. Just real moping around a lot. Should be entertaining. But Paredes, second base and shortstop, just outside the top 100 overall. What is the standout skill or skills with Paredes? I think it's just that he's a middle infielder who probably hits, you know, around 265, 275 if all goes well with 20 plus Homer pop and does it for a while there, I've seen some Johnny Peralta comps on him just because he's kind of thicker than your usual teenage middle infielder, which is, which is part of the reason why he, he generates the power he does. Um, not a super sexy prospect for dynasty leagues by any means, but a uh, guy that could be pretty, pretty rosterable, pretty useful for, for a good 10 year run or so. Number three, Kristen Stewart, another guy we've seen in Arizona, and a lot of raw power, 107 on your overall top 400. And somebody that I, I think I grabbed a share or two of him in, in draft champions late just because of the team context, could have a path this year. And you know who knows what he could do to the, the new ball in the big leagues. But we talked about defense earlier. Is defense going to be something that, that holds Kristen Stewart back from, from seeing regular time? 
Well, not not anytime soon. And the nice thing is, like like you said, uh, the team context here is important because his skill set is just so duplicative across the big leagues, but the Tigers don't really have a lot of it. They, like the Tigers don't have much power. Um, it's kind of Nick Castellanos, Miguel Cabrera, and that's about it in terms of guys on their team right now that, that can hit for power. So I think he debuts maybe in left field this summer, but I kind of see him as a, as the Tigers DH of the future where he'll get a good three or four years probably before someone unseats him there where he's going to be, you know, putting up a 850 OPS or so with kind of a 240 average gets on base a lot, hits 25 to 30 home runs. I mean, that's, that's useful. I mean, it's not as useful as it used to be these days, but uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of the selling point with him. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy what the, even in like, well, especially in like 12 teamers, what the replacement level is for a guy, like the corner outfield type of guy or first baseman. Like you really, it's a really pretty high bar to clear in this day and age. But a quick note, score sheet baseball is the only fantasy game that plays complete simulated games using the current week's major league stats. Don't just add up points. Instead, make lineups, set rotations, choose whether a player steals or bunts, etc. Use score sheet. And with score sheet, you will draft players just as you were doing uh, for a real team, not worrying about things like a winning a specific category. Special 67% off discount for new players. Join alone or with friends. Be a true manager. Check score sheet out at www.scoresheet.com or call 530-470-1880. A pretty fun format for sure. Daz Cameron somebody that I have been intrigued with since he was first in the, the draft pool and obviously the pedigree with his dad being a former major leaguer and just a toolsy guy, but slipped in the draft due to signability concerns and just hasn't really taken off yet as a pro. But do you think maybe this year, age 21, he has a pretty good season down on the farm? Yeah, I think things are starting to come together for him. Uh, they, that's, you know, they came together for him a little bit last year. I think he's, uh, I'm comping him to Shinsu Chu, and I actually I kind of like that one. Uh, I just think that that's, that's the type of player you're getting, you know, 20-plus 20, 20 homer pop. Early on, you might get 10 to 20 steals. He's going to be walking a decent amount, just kind of a solid, you know, fifth or sixth hitter. I think that that's, that's what you're getting with him. It's it's not going to be crazy tools like his dad, but, you know, he he'll be – He'll be fantasy viable, I think. Down at number 10, the the centerpiece of the JD return, Duel Lugo. No, we're not going to talk about him. But anybody do you want to talk about? Maybe Joe Jimenez? Uh, Alex Fiedo is a guy that I think I'm down on a lot compared to, to some people in the industry. And it's just, I don't know. I, I don't really see more than a number three starter with him. I don't know why. I should get excited about that if he's probably two years away. He's got a really good slider, but he's a pitching prospect without high end upside in my opinion. So I just, I I think that you'd be better off if you're picking like say in that 12 to 20 range in your dynasty league drafts, I would try to get a guy like Nate Pearson, guy like Tristan Lutz over someone like Alex Fido. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Casey, man. Oh, 
I saw you tweeting. Look, I know Kansas City is going to have a bunch of compensatory picks this coming year. But right now, things are looking bleak. At least they did make two World Series, winning one. So they've built up some goodwill, and they can can kind of afford this with that fan base. But I saw you tweeting earlier about how Seattle has a worse farm system. How How is that even possible? Because I'm looking at this, and well, look, I'm feeling, feeling <laughs> nauseous. Quite look, I, I was able to rank... Uh, Okay, like, for instance, down at 10 and 11, Jeffrey Del Rosario, right-handed pitcher that they got after the the Braves were, after he was taken away from the Braves with their sanctions, and then Carlos Hernandez, a hard-throwing righty that's down in their lower levels. Like, those two guys would probably rank uh, fourth and fifth in the Mariners system. Um the Mariners just after Kyle Lewis and Evan White, it's really, really, really disgusting. And like I, I only ended up like we've been going a good or I guess I've been going a good, you know, eighteen to twenty deep on some of these bad systems. I think I went almost twenty deep on the Cubs, went twenty deep on the Royals, just because there are guys where I can kind of see a way that they become fantasy relevant. I went 11 deep on the Mariners and even that felt a little like a stretch. Uh, so I, it's just the Mariners. It, it's just so bad. Cause they, it's not even like they're, they've made a couple like big blockbuster deals where they're, they're empty in the farm for these big ticket items. Like they'll just give any guy, like any toolsy 18 year old away for just a, a reliever. Like, they, and they do it all the time. Like they, they just, pick from the bottom of their system all the time and just give those guys away. And at, when you do that, you get to a point where there's nobody at high A, low A rookie ball that's interesting at all. And that that's kind of where the Mariners are at. Uh, you know, the, the Cubs are there. They're, they're bad too, but they at least have guys like they're not they're not picking through the bottom of their system and, and shipping all those guys away necessarily and they i feel like they're they're better at scouting and developing so they at least have some interesting guys down in the lower levels the the giants kind of the same way like they have they have helio ramos and then they also have a couple toolsy guys that are going to begin the year in the gulf coast league that are a little interesting like the mariners just have nothing um and it's not nothing. like their major league team is very good at all. No, it's it's definitely a mandate from ownership that they need to try to win now kind of at all costs. And so you have this sort of mediocre, like, 85-win team, and you're just – I don't think Jerry DePoto has any incentive at all for his job to hold on to a teenager that is that far away. And, like, I almost don't even get why – they're holding Kyle Lewis and, and Evan White. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded both of those guys at the deadline this year. Because I mean, if you're going to be this bad in terms of on the farm, what's the point in hanging on to a couple guys? Like, yeah, that's a good point. You're going to be out of a job as a GM in in a few years, anyways. Kyle Lewis isn't going to. You're not going to be around to see Kyle Lewis help you if you don't win soon. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I was going to ask you, like, if things don't go well, if well, you know, Ryan Healy's already hurt. If Nick or if Nelson Cruz gets hurt. Robinson Cano, those guys are both getting up there. If they don't get much from King Felix, if this could be it for Depoto this year, I don't know. It might be. I mean, just talking about the Royals, you know, Khalil Lee's a, a toolsy guy. He's a one of the. I think he was one of the only. He was one of only three uh, teenagers to go 
2020 in the minors last year. Um, MJ Melendez is a catcher. They got in the, they got Nick Prado and MJ Melendez in the draft last year. Prado's a, one of the better first base prospects in baseball, but he's three or four years away, so you're gonna have to wait a bit there. MJ Melendez, I think, is this time next year. I think people are gonna be really pumping him up as just one of the the more exciting catching prospects in the game. He's got all the defensive tools to stick there. He's got big raw power, a really athletic, physical frame. It's he's an exciting player for sure. Suli Matias is another guy that a lot of people are starting to dream on. I think people are overrating him quite a bit, but there's there's a lot of raw power there. Um, but yeah, after that, I mean, this system really really drops off in a hurry. Yeah, one guy down at thirteenth who is off your top four hundred entirely. Hunter Dozier. Does look like he could get an opportunity to play regularly to start this year. 26 years old already. If that does happen, if he does get regular bats, what do you expect the production to look like? 220 or 230 with 15 to 20 homers. So, who? <laughs> does that even play in an AL only? Maybe, I guess, yeah. But it's like. Because, I mean, it, it would definitely play if, he's, if he was a catcher, but. Does that play if you're if you're starting him in the outfield or at first base? I mean, I'd want a higher bar, quite honestly. I because I don't I just don't think don't you're think, winning a league. I don't think the counting Dozier. stats make up for that average if you're playing yeah. him in the outfield, especially on a team like that in a park like that. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Anybody else before we move on to the Twins? Nah, let's let's get out of here. <laughs> Royce Lewis heading the pack. You know, I I felt deep down in my gut that. He was going to be gone, actually, for for Chris Archer. They are adamant that they are not trading Royce Lewis. Do you think that's the right call, even if they did have an opportunity to get a guy like Archer? Yeah, I do, because I think Royce Lewis is the type of guy that you build championship cores around. I think he's going to be a superstar. And, I mean, Archer's great, but you know, he's a pitcher, and he's – he he's he's a good he's a good good pitcher he's not he's not like a bona fide ace though to me Hmm. i mean i think he He hasn't been yet no um you know royce lewis is he's a stud i think he he's gonna play up the middle whether it's shortstop second base center field he actually might be more valuable uh in a real life sense as a center fielder just because of his speed but as long as they have byron buxton that's obviously not going to be all that viable so i think he probably sticks at shortstop as long as they possibly can maybe ends up moving to second base but uh you know he's gonna hit for high average he's gonna steal 30 plus bases he's gonna hit 20 plus homers i mean he's gonna be a a real stud interesting wander javier number two akil badu number three he's been getting a lot of a lot of buzz lately but nick gordon's a guy who's just been slowly trickling down your your list i mean he's not falling super far 104 but is it kind of the lack of standout tools you know nothing really that jumps off the page in terms of a skill set that kind of keeps him down here yeah he's just boring it's it's a lot of it's really just a lot of 50s on the scouting report and i think like a good outcome is that he's basically jorge polanco and they already have Jorge Polanco, and it's not all that fun. So, uh, and they have the sort of the same defensive limitations. Like Polanco's a terrible defensive shortstop. Uh, a lot of people think Gordon ends up at second base. So, uh, 
just not a guy like uh, instead of rostering Nick Gordon, even though he's close to the majors and a, probably going to be a big league regular for at least, you know, four or five years, I'd just rather roll the dice on a guy like Wander Javier, where you can dream on a ton of upside with him and he could finish the year as a top 10 overall prospect. I mean, Nick Gordon, I, you know, if he, what if he struggles against triple a pitching this year? What if Nick Gordon's hitting like two fifty in July with six homers? Like who, <laughs> what can you do with him at that point? Yeah. I have him in staff one and probably can't justify throwing him back, but I'm, I'm kind of tempted to quite honestly. Cause Shop you know, him. yeah, I should shop him or chop him. <laughs> But we'll see. I, I, you know, of course he's D Gordon's brother. Just the fact that he's, you know, doesn't have anything close to that level of speed. Not that level of hit tool. Maybe more power. But uh, that's gotta suck know. to be like a a brother, and your brother's just so much so much faster <laughs> than you. Like you're both athletes, and and the other one's yeah. just like ten times faster than you. Because that is. <laughs> That is basically carry D Gordon throughout his major. Oh, career, he would be you know? like, he'd be out of baseball right yeah. now if he wasn't that fast. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Alex Kirilov, number five, Junior Severino, Brent Rooker, number seven. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this guy's name. Uh, I will give it a shot. Brustar Gratterall. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, oh, we'll see. <laughs> I'll probably be proven wrong in time. Jose Miranda, and then Stephen Gonsalves. That one I'm probably saying wrong too, but. Somebody that has posted really awesome numbers in the minors. You have him outside the top 200, though. Ugh. I mean, with Odorizzi coming in, I don't expect him to get a long look, but would you say the over-under on him for his maybe like 10 starts this year? Uh, I might actually take... I might actually take the over on that, actually. Nice. I, I think it's... I think that's a fair over-under point, though. Yeah, I would take the over on a 4-5 ERA as well. Uh just not i think he's a guy that got a little exposed to triple a last year i i know it's a small sample but this is a guy that had been operating he'd been just pumping his sort of mediocre fastball at the top of the zone all the way up to triple a and by the when he got to triple a guys were just sort of feasting on that pitch uh not a i mean i would sell high on him if you can you know the the three guys well Junior Severino, Brent Rooker, Bruce Targatero, Jose Miranda. I really think this is a kind of a fascinating um, foursome because almost everyone, I think, has Rooker ahead of Severino. But dude's 23, and he's headed to double A, and he struck out a ton at high A last year. I just think it's going to be tough for him to he's just going to have to keep mashing at, at double A. He's going to have to mash at triple A. And even then there, there's a lot of AJ Reed similarities, I think with him. Uh, whereas Severino's an 18 year old second baseman with a ton of pop. I think he could really blow up this year. Bruce Gratterall is already starting to blow up. I think people are, have read some scouting reports on him and are getting a little ahead of the game because he's so far away, but uh, he's got. He's one of those guys that has the the upside to finish the year inside the top 100, maybe even inside the top 75, just because it's it's number two potentially frontline upside. He's got um, monster monster fastball, couple couple uh, really impressive breaking balls, and then Miranda's Miranda's probably my personal favorite on this entire division. He's a guy that I don't think you'll see ranked even on any other 
like if you see, I, I know Chris Welsh, our buddy does like a top 500. I don't think he's, I, I doubt he's got Jose Miranda even on there. I don't think you'll see him on any other industry list, but I, I really like this guy. He's, he just kind of has, a, he checks a lot of boxes for me. He's uh, athletic. He's going to stick in the infield, either second base, third base. He's got plus raw power. He's got a really, really good command of the strike zone. He walked or he struck out less than 10% of the time last year. Uh, that's a guy, if you're in a really deep dynasty league, I would pick him up sooner than later because he's going to open the year at low A. And if he, if he hits there, then people are going to start to take notice. Zach Granite at 14 kind of fits that mold they were talking about earlier. Guy whose defense could earn him some some time at the big league level this year. Another redraft kind of guy that I, I like in, in those draft champions is Mitch Garver. I think you need at least four catchers and kind of a perfect fourth catcher for me in that Shoot. Uh, final ten rounds. Do you need four catchers? Shoot. I think so. Ugh. I don't know. I just feel <laughs> more comfortable. I'm, I'm such a... Especially a two-catcher league. I'm I hate still, catchers, too. Like, I, I have... What do I have? I think I have, like, Asmani Grandal and... Um, maybe Wellington Castillo or something like that. And then well, if you I have just guys of that caliber, maybe not. I just decided, like, I remembered that it was our Arizona draft and I just, I popped those two just because I wanted to be like, all right, screw this position. Like if mm-hmm. one of these guys gets hurt, I'll take zeros while they're hurt. I just don't want to, I don't want to even think about rostering any of these other buffoons. Yeah. I went the other approach and went like Chris Iannetta and then some just piece of garbage, but yeah, I hate drafting catchers, but I think maybe this is the year I have to bite the bullet and just pay up. I mean, avoid the headache. Garver, he could hit like twelve homers and hit like two forty-five or something. And I mean, nine twenty-eight OPS at AAA last year. Yeah, he was like twenty-six, but oh right, yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> well, hey, look, hey, but hey, but hey, I mean, he's a catcher. It takes a while for them to. Yeah, it takes yeah, it takes catchers a while. You get it takes me. Catchers a while. Well, James, we appreciate it. That'll do it for the Prospect Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. We'll be back with you guys next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.